third chapter of Ilchot Shabbat of Harambam, Sefer Zemanim. This chapter is extremely important, extremely relevant. Well, like almost all chapters of Shabbat are, or I'd say all chapters of Shabbat are. But this one in particular is the focus of much of the study for Semicha nowadays in Israel. But the focus is not on Harambam, it's on the other Rishonim. And Harambam's approach in this chapter, which follows, mirrors the Gemara and the Mishnah, is much more straightforward. And even if you're going to study other Rishonim, it's always advisable to start with Harambam, get a straightforward, to the point, directly from the sources approach, organize in the perfect way that only Harambam knows how to, and then proceed to learn the rest, which is going to permit you to organize the whole material in a better way. So a couple of things about this chapter. The basis of this chapter, the underlying principle, is that the prohibitions of Melachot on Shabbat are prohibitions on the actor. It's a prohibition on the person to not do certain things. It's not a prohibition on the thing being done. And this, by the way, was a point of disagreement between the Karraim, the Sadokim before them, and the Rabbanim, uh, all the, the Perushim uh, before them. And uh, basically, uh, if you take the Basuk, for example, you may not light fire in all of your um, homes during the Shabbat. So the Karaim, the Sadokim, understood that to mean that there should be, that no fire should be lit in your home, and they'd sit actually in a dark room all of Shabbat. It was a very uh, sad and depressing day for the Hachamim, for the Rabbanim, for the Perushim, for the, let's call it, for the the, the official line of uh, of law in Am Israel following the Bedin Hagadol, uh, this was rather a prohibition to light a fire. And this continued through the time of the Geonim and the Rishonim with the Karaim. The Karaim as the word implies karraim, they thought that they could argue for the position, for some positions previously held by the Sedokim and other positions based on their own interpretation of the Pesukim. So they'd go to the Pasuk, they'd read it, and they'd try to show, they were actually, some of them were very good grammarians, and they'd try to show that the Pasuk fits their theory. And uh, obviously you had responses to them. So one of the papers I had to write for my master's degree in, in Yeshiva University, uh, I chose to write it about a manuscript that was never published of Rabbi Saadia Gaon answering, writing a treatise about the second chapter of Masechet Shabbat, of uh, lighting the candles. And my theory was that the whole notion of Hadlakat Ner Shabbat and the reason why Hachamim insisted on it so much is because if you were a Karai or a Sadoki, you would not be allowed to have Ner Shabbat in your house. If you had a Ner Shabbat on your home lit from before Shabbat, it meant you subscribed to the theory of the Rabbanim of Bet Hillel, not of Bet Shammai, that said that uh, you're allowed to light and the fire doesn't need to be off. It's that you are not allowed to light a brand new fire. Anyways, Rabbi Sadiakon proves that the word Leva'er, anywhere you find it in the Tanakh, is to begin a fire not to maintain a fire that's lit. And that is the principle underlying this chapter. So we're going to begin Halacha Aleph. 
מותר להתחיל במלאכה מערב שבת, אף על פי שהיא נגמרת מאליה בשבת. It's permissible to begin a מלאכה on שבת, even if that מלאכה is going to continue being done. And I, we, we translated מלאכה's transformation before, I think this is still the case, it fits this chapter beautifully. It's permitted to begin transformation from before שבת, knowing that this is, the process is going to continue through שבת. שלא נאסר עלינו, אלא לעשות מלאכה בעצמו של יום. אבל שתעשה מלאכה מעצמה בשבת, מותר לנו ליהנות ממה שנעשה בשבת מאליו. Because the only thing that's forbidden, says הרמב״ם, is to actually do something, but enjoying from something that's being done, and the process, my action, was only performed before שבת, that is totally fine. I'm going to refresh because I'm not able to zoom in. Forgive me one second. Okay, here we go. An example is you can open the water to, to water your garden through Shabbat. So you open it before Shabbat and it, it, it waters it during Shabbat. Or you can put the incense under the clothes so that the clothes absorb that smell during Shabbat. You can apply some ointment or medicine on the eye or on the wound so that it gets cured through Shabbat. You can also um, prepare dye and leave the clothes in the, in the dye Uh, all of Shabbat, so you put the clothes in the dye before Shabbat and they continue being painted through the Shabbat. You can also set up traps before Shabbat so that the animals and fish get trapped during Shabbat. You can also set up the, the, the presses for, the, for wine and for olive oil, so they used to have these huge stones that uh, very heavy stones that you'd set them up on top of the grapes or of the olives and the weight would continuously apply some sustained pressure on the grapes and olives producing um, the olive oil or, or the grape juice causing the, the liquids to flow to ooze during the entire Shabbat And then, last example, listen to this. So too you can light the ner, or a medura, we'll see what medura is at the end of this chapter. Medura is really a source not of light, but of heat mostly. It's any kind of, um, of burning that's made for that purpose. Like, for example, a fireplace. Letting it continue be lit through the entire Shabbat. So that's the rule. And now we are going to carve out an exception that the central, really the, the, the subject of this chapter that takes most space, although the underlying principle is that you can do something from before Shabbat and let it be done through the Shabbat, now we are going to come to an exception. The, the exception is the Gezerah from Hachamim, and it's well-defined, and we have to understand what this Gezerah is. So it would follow, this follows the exception, the beginning of Al-Hagim. 
והם מתבשלים והולכים כל השבת כולה ואוכלים אותם בשבת. You should also be allowed following the same principle to leave food of any kind on top of the fire before Shabbat or inside a, a, a hot oven before Shabbat, permitting it to continue cooking through the Shabbat and then eat from it on Shabbat. Why? Because you're not doing, you're not cooking. You, you, everything you did, you did before Shabbat. However, ויש בדבר זה דרכים שהן אסורים, גזירה שמי יחטא בגחדים בשבת. There is a few things that are forbidden in doing this, forbidden specifically by חכמים, as a גזירה, because what they wanted to avoid was for the person to actually manipulate the source of heat, to manipulate the fire. הלכה ד', כיצד? How so? תבשיל שלא בשל כל צורכו, והמין שלא הוחם הוא כל צורכן. או תבשיל שבשל כל צורכו, וכל זמן שמסתמק הוא יפה לו. So this is the category of things that, that are within this כזרה. According to הרמב״ם, he, like, uh, he goes against Hananiah in the, in the Gemara. Um, any food that is either not fully cooked, It's not fully cooked. It's, let's say, 80% cooked, 20% raw. Or it's 100% cooked. It's ready to be eaten. But if you were to leave it in the heat for longer, it's going to become better. In other words, anything that I have an interest to continue cooking, it's forbidden to leave that food in that state on the fire from before Shabbat is forbidden to leave it there for the Shabbat on Shabbat even if I'm placing it before Shabbat begins this is a gezera it's a decree the decree is so that I don't go and manipulate the source of heat in other words move the coals around or increase the fire or lower the fire in order to speed, to hasten the, the rest of the process that is still missing. So I said it was either 90% cooked or it's 100% cooked, but it still is improving. So some part of me is concerned. My mind is concerned. I, I, I have a little bit of an anxiety until that process is completed. And there is a concern that I might want to speed up that process to get it to the finish line. לפיכך, therefore, follows from this gezerah. Now, exception to the exception. So the, the rule is, I would, I would have been allowed to leave this from before Shabbat because I'm not doing anything. However, Chachamim forbade it, lest you come and do something to hasten the process. However, לפיכך, אם גרף האש או שכיסה אש הקירה באפר או בנעולת הפשטן לדקה, if it's impossible to manipulate this source of fire. For example, גרף האש means... The, the source of heat, the closest I can bring this to our generation is take a coal-based barbecue, right? So if you remove the coals from the barbecue, that's ligrof, ligrof is to clean it up. In garaf ha'esh, sorry. Or I covered it. When, when, if you're making a barbecue, one of the ways to stop the coals after you are done is to cover it. So you pour onto the fire either effer, either 
ashes that are no longer going to be lit. They they wasted all the all what they had to give all of that carbon that could be transformed to to energy. Or uh, is the, the, the leftovers of the linen, also something that's not very combustible. Or if the if the coals are no longer lit, they already themselves are totally white, there's no red in them. Which is the same as saying that they are covered with ash because they became ash. Or the combustible you used to begin with wasn't coals, but it was rather something like uh, straw, or gevava is another kind of, of straw, or or uh, they used to use everything. Everything, you have to understand, back in the day they used everything. Nothing went to waste. So even the feces of your little animals, uh, if you had a goat, You'd use those, you'd use those feces which have nitrogen, um, in in order to to light. So if you lit with them, that's what the fire is based on. It doesn't have any coals that if you move them, it's going to increase the fire. So the gezerah doesn't attach there. It's permissible to leave food on top of a fire like that. Because the moment I put it on, this is important. It's not because it's impossible, but it's because in my mind, in my mind, the moment I place that tafshil, the moment I place that food, I I understand that I have no possibility of speeding this process. The process is what it is because of the nature of the source of the combust of of the heat that I have, because it's covered or because it's cleaned or anything like that, which means my mind already precludes the possibility of messing with the fire, which is what Hachamim wanted for the Gezerah not to attach. Let's qualify now. So we did, we said the Gezerah, Rambam now recorded what the Gezerah is. Now let's define it a little bit, as some Mishnayot in Masechet Shabbat Peregimal also do. When are we saying that this Gezerah applies the way we said? In a kira, kira is any kind, well, kira used to be, but I think it can be applied to other things also, a place that has room for two pots on top of it, and under it, so imagine a box, if, if you have, if you're watching this on YouTube, then I'll show you the picture right here, it's, um, it's like a box, inside the box you put the, the fire, the coals, and on top of the box, the roof of the box has two holes, two holes for two kederot, for two pots. That's kira. And obviously, it, the dissipation of heat, is, it's not very efficient. It's not very heat efficient. A lot of the heat runs uh, goes away. Because it doesn't preserve the heat very well. Aval hatanur, however, tanur, by the way, the word tanur, interestingly, it's a biblical word. It's in the in the Torah. It's in Sefer Vayikra a few times. And uh, it's also in Indian. In Indian, the word tandur is the same word as tanur. The, the nun has a dagesh, which comes to compensate for the dalit that's missing. I don't know which comes from which, but I just wanted to put it out there. Tandur and tanur, the same word. Tanur is found in the Torah. And tandur, tanduri is uh, Indian dishes are all called tanduri because they are made in tanur. Uh, and basically what it is, it's something that's made to be most efficient with respect to heat. It's a 
a totally enclosed, um, normally something with the shape of a dome, so it doesn't really let the heat escape. And then you have the fire inside, and or, or uh, and and then the, the heat really really gets preserved in there. And even after the fire is gone, that tanur is really really hot. It's like a brick oven that people use for pizza nowadays, which reaches easily 500, 600, 700 or higher degrees. So as you can imagine, the gezera will be a little stricter with the tanur because. So even if I cleaned out the fire or I covered with ashes or I lit it with a source of heat, a combustible that doesn't really lend itself to make coals that can be manipulated, I still am not allowed to use it, not inside it, and not next to it, and not on top of it, in order to permit a food that wasn't fully cooked to continue being cooked through the Shabbat, because the heat is extremely high of this tanur. Which means that in my mind, the moment I put the food in that tanur, or next to that tanur, or on top of that tanur, I still am open to the possibility of this process being capable of being sped up by me. There still is the, the, the potential, the risk that I might want to manipulate even this little, very difficult to manipulate fire. Even if it was if it was made, if it was a fire made of straw or or if or, or if it was covered. Now, uh, Arambam, I understand, and Hachamim, I understand why you'd continue applying the Gezerah on Tanur, even if the source of heat is something that is not easily manipulable, like a cash and Gevava. But what about when I emptied out the coals? So I cleaned out the, the, the bottom of the Tanur from all the coals. What's wrong with now, even though there is heat, what's wrong with now leaving a food there to be cooked during Shabbat? So the reason is because when you clean out the tanur, you never clean it out 100%, you clean it out maybe 50%, and you just want to remove the, the, the strength of the heat. But it's impossible to actually remove everything without leaving at least a few coals. And because it's, uh, it's, it's so hot, actually, the... the the, 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 the reason might be the opposite with Tanur. The reason might be that I might come to turn off whatever was in there. So let's say I see that my food is getting cooked way too quickly. I want it to get cooked a little slower. So I might go back to the Tanur that was already cleaned out and remove whatever fire that is left in order to decrease the temperature. And that is also obviously a problem on Shabbat. Kupah is something a little different than Kira, different than Tanur, but it's similar to both in some respects. And the Kupah is a little, it's hotter than the Kira, but it's colder than the Tanur, so it's going to have rules that apply to both. So it depends on the source of the heat. If you light it with 
actual coals with woods, then it becomes like a tanur, and the same rules that apply to a tanur apply here. In other words, you're not allowed to uh, leave food on there or next to it from before Shabbat if the food is close to completion. Um, uh, if, even if you then cleaned out or covered the source of heat. But if the source of heat was the, the lower quality one, straw or, or feces, then um, it, it's like the kira, it's like the one that have that has room for two pots, not for one like the kupah, and, 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 and you're allowed to leave things on it. One other difference with the kira is unlike the tanur and the kupah that was lit with wood or, or with coals, you are allowed to leave things next to the kira, not on top, but next to the kira. What is kira? What is kupah? Kira is a place where you can play. It's, it's a something, a source of heat where you can place. You have room to place two pots. And kupah has room for only one pot. So just to, you can see the pictures here again. If you are not seeing this and you have never seen this before, you should definitely find some images of kira and kupah to understand exactly what we're talking about. It's very hard to explain with words, but it, it all boils down to geometry and to thermodynamics. And you have a much more efficient design in the kupah than in the kira. The kupah is almost as efficient as the tanur, um, but not as, and the kira is the least efficient of the three of them. An exception to this gezerah. Let's say you have a food that's 100% raw. It's not cooked at all, or it's fully cooked, but if you continue the process, if you cook it more, the longer you leave it on the fire, the worse it becomes. Then there is no problem with leaving such food on top of the fire from before Shabbat, so it continues being cooked through the Shabbat. doesn't matter if it's kira, kupach, or tanur. Okay, so, so uh, also, Ramam says, and this is a formula for what we can do in our homes nowadays, let's say you do have the kind of food that becomes better the more you cook it. I think that um, at least the Moroccan style hamim, adafina, is is such a such a dish that the more you cook it, the better it becomes. Arguably, uh, maybe the same applies to chulent. I don't know. Never made it. Maybe the same to hamim. Also, I also have never made it. I never made alafina either. But I just know I like it more when it's better cooked. Um, so what do you do? It's already cooked. You want to leave it on the heat for Shabbat. So what can you do to get out from this gezerah? So what you can do is you throw inside there. A few moments before Shabbat, a few moments before Ben Hashemashot, you throw inside there something raw. So you throw inside there, let's say, a raw piece of meat or a raw leg of chicken, um, and that's uh, that. That's enough for the entire thing to be considered high, 
and it's permissible then to leave it on the fire. However, what is the reason for this? Because the moment that you're putting something, again, we are concerned about your mindset. If you're putting something before Shabbat that is, that is, uh, <clears throat> that is, uh, um, fully raw, it's, it's not cooked at all, then you also are not open to the possibility of messing with the process. You understand this process is only beginning right now and you're not counting on it finishing anytime soon. That, that's the point here. Consequences. What if someone did leave something on there during Shabbat uh, against his Gezerah? So Hachamim also attached a consequence to it. Anything that was made against this Gezerah, it's forbidden to eat until after Shabbat. And not only after Shabbat, but also until enough time has passed after Shabbat that um, that uh, that there would have been time to do the whole process after Shabbat. In other words, this is a way to completely take away any incentive anyone might have, conscious or unconscious, to leave food to be cooked during Shabbat against the Gezerah. However, an exception to this consequence if we are talking about the kind of prohibition that applies to something that was already fully cooked, but the longer you cook it, the better it becomes, then the consequence doesn't apply, and you may eat it even on Shabbat if you left it from before Shabbat. Yod. And Yod and Yod Aleph, by the way, they don't follow the, the pattern of this chapter. They actually are sort of like a by-the-way kind of halachot, and they have to do with the Melachov Bishul. Uh, we have not touched upon the Melachov Bishul yet. The Gezerah that we that we just described is a Gezerah trying to prevent the Melachov Ab'ara, trying to prevent the Melachov lighting a fire or even of, of uh, turning down a fire. Um, but right now we have two halachot dealing with the Melachov Bishul, Ha'ofeh, and these two halachot have to do with uh, preventing things that might be considered cooking. So it's within the same process, but a different kind of law. Even things that are permissible to leave on the fire from before Shabbat, once you remove it from the fire, it's forbidden to bring it back on the fire. Okay, so let's say I was permitted to leave something that was completely raw from before Shabbat, and let's say I, I remove it after Shabbat begins, I'm forbidden, it's prohibited to bring it back on top of the fire. And the only situation in which I am allowed to return something to the fire is if we are talking about kira and only kira, which is the least efficient design, then if the fire has been cleaned out or has been covered regardless of the source so even if i had lit it with wood then i'm permitted to return something to that because the source of heat is very inefficient it's not going to cook anything really or even kupah not only kira 
if the kupa had been lit in a way that makes it like Iran, namely that it was lit with cash, with straw or feces. And this is all talking, when are we saying that you are permitted to bring it back on top of the kira or the kupah? When I haven't placed the pot that I removed from the source of heat on top of a cold surface like the floor. However, once I place the pot on the floor, and Mahazirin Nota is forbidden to bring it back on top of even the Kira and the Kupah, even in the cases we said it was permitted otherwise. And this is never permissible with respect to a Tanur, because as we mentioned, they are very efficient in terms of preserving heat and they are very hot. And this might be a matter of cooking. And cooking, just to preview what we are going to study in later chapters, um, if you're cooking something that is still raw, then this is a melacha, it's fully something forbidden in the Torah. If you're cooking something that already cooked, fully cooked, that is still forbidden in the Rabbanan. It's not permitted. It's not permitted to cook something that is fully cooked, that is forbidden in the Rabbanan. And Haram says, by the way, anything that I'm saying, you cannot return to the fire. You can also not uh, put it next to a fire. It's not only on top, but also next to. Another halacha dealing with things that might bring to a form of cooking. It's forbidden to put, to uh, take food out with a large spoon, um, uh, with one of those spoons, serving spoons, from something that is directly on the fire, because by the through the act of putting it inside and removing it, you're mixing a little bit the contents of the pot, which helps the heat reach all places in a better way. So you are actually helping the process of cooking. And this is one of the of the elements of cooking, one of the things that you do in order to cook is you mix every so often um, the, the, the contents of the pot so that the heat disperses in a uniform way. However, it's permissible to um, to move, and I, I have a doubt here, I'm not sure if we are talking about the, the spoon or if we are talking about the pot itself. Um, I think it's the pot itself. So it's permissible to move a pot from one kira to the other, from one kira to the other, um, even if one kira is hotter than the other, but it's not permissible to do it from a kira to temina. Temina is, is something that you are you prepared that doesn't have any source of heat. But it's 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 uh, designed in a way to preserve heat. It's a uh, insulating material. That's temina. So it's forbidden to move from a kira to something insulating or from an insulation to the kira. But it's permissible from a kira to another kira. Halachayot <clears> bet. 
לא ימלא אדם כדירה עססיות ותומוסין או חבית של המים ויתן סונאו לרסט אוף ההלכות until the last couple of הלכות of the chapter have to do with what is תבשיל שבשל קוצורקו או תבשיל שלא בשל קוצורקו and some examples that make something be like a תבשיל שבשל קוצורקו etc. So it's forbidden to fill out a, a pot with beans or with chickpeas או חבית של המים ויתן לתוך התנור אפשר לבטא חשיכה וישחה אותם or חבית של המים This is uh, very relevant to us, or some container filled with water, sort of like what you use to make tea and, and coffee. So it's forbidden to leave that inside a tanur, inside one of those things that has live fire and, uh, and preserves the heat very well, before Shabbat, thinking that they'll stay there. שאלו לכל כאי עושה בהן, because this and everything of this sort, אף על פי שלא בשלו כל העיקר, even though The moment you put this inside, chickpeas or beans or legumes of some kind or even raw water, just pure water, even though they've never been cooked, so you would think they don't have the gezerah attached to them because the gezerah only attaches to things shebashlu kol tzorkan or shebashlu a little bit. Kitavshil shelo bashal kol tzorko They are like kitavshil that um that uh, wasn't cooked fully because they don't need a lot of bishul so again it's the mindset the moment you put them on the fire or in the tanur you're thinking of the end of that process and you might come to try to speed it up you have your mind trying to or thinking planning to eat them right away soon, and therefore it's forbidden to leave them inside the Tanur. And just like something that was if you did violate the Gezerah, it becomes forbidden until after Shabbat, after enough time has passed, so you could have done the process after Shabbat has ended. Tanur או אם בשר גדי ובכיוסה בו מותר שהם יחטא בגחלים יתחרך הבשר שאינו צריך אל החמימות האש בלבד. So, a tanur, we're back to the tanur. If you leave meat inside the tanur during Shabbat, if the meat was of גדי, גדי is a... Uh, little lamb, like lamb chops, if you leave that and that kind of, of meat, meat of that kind, then it's permissible to eat it during Shabbat because if you were to try to manipulate the fire to increase it, it actually ruins that kind of meat. So it seems from here, I have a doubt, but it seems from here that this is not permissible to do. But if you went ahead and did it, then it's not, the, 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 the consequence of the Gezerah doesn't apply. Um, because this kind of meat only needs a little bit of heat to, to, become, to become good but if you cook it too much it gets ruined however if this is meat of goat or of, uh, of ox ox meat is very very hard this needs much more heat this becomes a stool lest you come to manipulate the fire 
to cook it quicker. However, if you went ahead and covered the tanur betit, you they used to do this to make it even more insulated. You'd apply a little bit of uh, of teeth of mud around the edges of the opening of the tanur. So you're really closing the door of the tanur in a way that cannot be opened. And if it's opened, the moment you open it, you're done. You're not cooking anymore because because you're you're letting all the the hot the heat come out and the cold air come in. Because if you were to, to open the tanur to, to mess with the fire, you'd actually it would be actually counterproductive because you're losing that insulating device and therefore you're letting all the cold to come in, which is going to defeat the purpose of trying to open it to make the heat the heat higher. Moreover, the meat is going to become hard with the change from very quick change from hot to cold. And it's going to get ruined. And furthermore, as we mentioned, the tanur is going to become colder. Not only, not only oxen meat or goat meat, but also other things that if the, the the cold air comes in, they are going to get ruined, then also the same thing applies and we are allowed to leave them on the tanur um, b- before Shabbat because the gezerah doesn't apply because the moment I open the tanur, I ruin it. So um, one of the examples is unin shalepishtan. They used to they, they used to prepare the linen by after washing it in, in cold to put it inside inside the, the oven. So that's permissible to leave before Shabbat and then let it be uh, let it be cooked during Shabbat. Harachat etvav. Natan gedish shalem yidochat anur harazek yivsar ha'ayzo besar ha'shor v'asur l'shahotoh shemeyachte b'gehalim. If you do something sort of like Korban Pesach, you take the entire lamb and you put it inside the tanur, then it becomes of the same kind, of the same quality as the meat of the goat or the meat of the ox. Um, and it's forbidden to leave it inside the tanur. Unless you, uh, as we said, cover it with some insulating material in a way that you cannot open it, and if you open it, it's irreversible in the sense that you're, you're letting all the cold air come in. And also, it's permissible to do this with the actual lamb that you use for Korban Pesach. If you're using keves, you're also permitted to use a goat. But if you're using keves, it's permissible to do so with the keves, even if you don't seal the tanur with some insulating material, because when you are within the habura, the people who are joining together to make korban pesach, your mindset is of being very careful with everything you're doing, and therefore you're also going to be careful with respect to the chot shabbat. The gezerah does not apply there. Halachat etzayin. Look at how beautifully this reads, Basar, Basal, is straight from the Mishnah, and it's one of those instances in which the language of the Mishnah is very easy to memorize. Basar, Basal, it still is three different kinds of things, but it's so easy, so it flows so nicely in the tongue. Basar is uh, meat, Basal is uh, any kind of vegetable, like a like a like an onion, and Basar is an egg. All three get cooked differently. The Basar is raw, and then it becomes ready to eat, um, it, it actually becomes softer. The basal was uh, ready to eat, 
and it just becomes a little better. And the besa was soft and it becomes hard. So all three are different, but the language basal basal uvetsai is just, I'm sorry, I just love it too much. So the only way in which you are permitted to leave these three things or any of those kind on top of a fire is if they have, and this is solin, sorry. So the halakha deals with solin. Solin is not a tanur, is not a kidas. Solin is putting it directly on top of a fire. Okay, so the only way in which you're allowed to leave uh, meat or onions or eggs on top of a barbecue is if they have enough time to get cooked enough before Shabbat so they are ready to be eaten. In other words, it's an exception to, to the, the, the exception to the Gezerah. The Gezerah said that you're not allowed to leave things. The exception said, but if it's fully raw, you're allowed to. So these three things, basal, basal, and if you're doing it in selia, then you're only allowed to leave it raw if there is still enough time for it to be cooked during Shabbat, uh, before Shabbat, sorry. And then it's permissible to leave it on Shabbat on top of the fire so it gets cooked much further. Because these things, after they are ready to eat, they are mistamek veralo, the more you cook them, it's worse for them. If you manipulate the coals, they are going to they are going to get burnt on the outside because they are on directly on top of the fire that's what selia means like our barbecues that's why it's permissible to leave the incense which is like coals with some kind of uh, good smelling things on top of it and on top of it you hang clothes it's permissible to have this set up from before shabbat because if you increase the fire then the smoke that comes from it is going to ruin the, the smell that you want to give to the clothes, and therefore the Gezerah the does not apply. Halamadata, Yodzain, to, to sort of finish off this uh, the treatment of this Gezerah, So now you know that everything we are forbidding here is not forbidden because we are doing it during Shabbat, as we said, if you start a process before Shabbat and it's being done automatically during Shabbat, that's totally permissible, but it's a Gezerah, Hamim did not want, it, did not want the risk, did not like the risk of your messing with the calls. Therefore, another thing to which this Gezerah applies is also uh, leaving Semer Layorai, the, the wool inside a pot with, uh, with dye, unless it was outside the fire, because also we have the same concern of messing with the coals to speed up the process. And one more thing about this particular example of the Yorah with uh, the wool, you need to also seal the Yorah to seal this huge pot of wool, because otherwise we also have the concern that you might come to mix it after Shabbat began, which we said is forbidden. Slightly different subject, halachayot het. So this is 
like it anur, but it's also like selia in the sense that you do these things not inside another container. So they used to make pitas or lafas in a way that you take the lafa and you glue it on the on the wall of the tanur, and that's how it gets cooked. More or less what people do with pizzas nowadays in a brick oven pizza. So it's forbidden to leave those things. Harara is a, a kind of a bread that's made directly on the coal. You put the dough on the on the hot coals. Um, it's called in uh, the, the, the Persians have this. It's uh, sangak. It's called and they sell it in Great Neck. It's delicious bread. Um, so you're only allowed to do so. Uh, uh, if you have enough time before Shabbat, so that the 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 side that is not touching the heat gets also cooked. And then at that point, the more it gets cooked, um, it's not good for it, so we no longer have the concern of messing with the coals. So Bemezid, we apply the same rule of the Gezerah. If you left it against the Gezerah uh, before Shabbat, uh, not according to the conditions we said that make it permissible, then it becomes forbidden until after Shabbat. But Beshogeg, now comes the point of this halacha, how it's different than everything we said so far. If you were, if you did so accidentally, you forgot, you didn't realize, you didn't realize Shabbat was beginning, or you didn't realize there wouldn't be enough time for it to get cooked before Shabbat. So mutar lo lirdot mimenna mazon shalor sedlo b'Shabbat, Hachamim permitted an exception. It's permitted to uh, take from that lafa or that bread that's glued right now on the on on the the brick oven wall. You're allowed to take from it enough that is uh, an amount that is enough for three meals, not more than that, which is the three meals of Shabbat. Uh, Hachamim obviously wanted to prevent a situation in which the only bread you had was the bread that you forgot. Uh, in the oven, so they permitted, they made an exception to their own gezerah, and they, they always are allowed to do so. We should never find it contradictory because it's their gezerah, and they can add as many exceptions as they want to it. But when you are taking out that uh, those pieces that are enough for three seudot, um, you should not do it with the, the instrument you always use for it, but rather you should use something that's not normally used for that purpose, like for example, a knife. So you take a knife and with that knife, you carve out uh, enough for three meals. Last few halachot of this chapter, Now we are back to the original point of the chapter, which is to say that one may light things from before Shabbat and let it burn during Shabbat. So you, you, you may, turn on a fireplace before Shabbat from anything, whether if it's within a container or on the floor itself, you can do so from before Shabbat, obviously. And then you can derive benefit from the light or the heat during Shabbat. A person must uh, light most of the Medura before Shabbat begins, 
In other words, most of the wood of the coals or of the logs need to have caught fire before Shabbat. So that the fire is already self-sustaining before Shabbat. If you didn't do so, then it's forbidden to derive benefit from it on Shabbat. Because we also have a gezera that you might want to increase the fire on Shabbat. And if we are talking about one single log, one single piece of wood, then the majority of it means that the fire needs to have caught on rov ovio, on the majority of its thickness, and rov on the majority of its circumference. So if that has happened, that means that the fire is going to continue spreading by itself without your touching it during Shabbat. When are we saying that you may not derive benefit from Medura, that, that, the, that the majority did not get lit from before Shabbat, outside the Bet HaMikdash, but inside the Bet HaMikdash, it's permissible to light uh, the, the fireplaces they had in Bet HaMikdash to warm up the floor and to start that fire right before Shabbat, even though only a little bit of that fire started because the Kohanim are... The regime, they we don't suspect that the Kohanim might come to <clears throat> mess with the fire. If the medura was made from straw or from uh, peels of, of, uh, some, of some kind, then this doesn't make calls, the Gezerah doesn't apply, you don't need to have the majority let. Because the fire spreads very quickly through them, so as soon as the fire starts, it's fine. Therefore, if you take all of those straws and make a tight bundle from them, then it's no longer uh, the same as straw, but now it starts looking much more like a log of wood, and we apply the same rules that we apply to a log of wood. The majority needs to catch fire before Shabbat, and the fire needs to be self-sustaining before Shabbat. If you make a medura, a kind of fire for from uh, feces or gofrit is sulfur, or revav is uh, some kind of fat, <coughs> or or uh, maybe also wax would be revav, or kira is a uh, is asphalt or or straw. These are also examples of things that get lit very quickly, and you do not need to be concerned that the fire catches on the majority of it before Shabbat. As soon as the fire catches, that's enough for you to enjoy from it from Shabbat. And with this, we finished chapter three.